Well, amen. Go ahead and be opening up your Bibles to James chapter 5. Uh, we're going to be looking at the last two verses in the book of James uh, this morning. Uh, and uh, I'm excited to preach the Word. I'm excited about what God's uh, been pouring into my heart this week and the fresh work that He's done in my life. I'm excited about our, our worship and the freedom uh, that we're expressing that worship to the Lord. And I got to confess, I'm also excited because uh, uh, I read uh, on social media, and you know if it's on social media, it's got to be true, right? Uh, but you know, in light of with the fallback time change and everything, the Global Chronomatic Oversight Council released a statement yesterday granting pastors an extra hour to preach today. So... Uh, <laughs> Uh, so uh, I hope that's good, and uh, I hope you brought your snacks with you and, and everything, because we're going to, no, I think, you know, with two services, I'll at least get 30 minutes extra in each service to, uh, to help out with that. But, uh, but we're finishing up uh, uh, our, our preaching series through the, the book of James, uh, but I hope it's been more than just a preaching series. I hope it's, you know, we talked a, a little bit about this, you know, throughout this, that I, ho I hope you've received it as not just as, as lessons on how to do things or lessons that have helped your understanding of Scripture. I hope your understanding has grown, but that's not the purpose of, of our time together and stuff. This is not lessons. This is life. And it's my prayer that the truths of God's Word have impacted your life, that Jesus has spoken to you about your life and that your life has changed and that you're not going to go back to that, that you're not going to, uh, that you're going to continue to let the Word of God change, that the truths that God's spoken into your life, that you're going to keep following through on that because that's what the book of James lays out. He lays out what real life is, and that's why we've said let's get real, that it's not some, you know, we imagine it to be, uh, the Christian life to be something that it's totally not. It is meant to be an experienced life. It is meant to be real life. It is meant to be a different life than the world around us. It's meant to be a life that, like what Jesus lived when he was here on the earth, because Jesus lives within us. And, and so we've been looking at this and laying this out, and that's uh, especially true with these last two verses. James doesn't conclude like some of Paul's letters and others with all these, you know, tell so-and-so hey and tell so-and-so hey and, and, and be sure, you know, uh, don't forget this and don't forget that. He just kind of ends it abruptly but with a very important understanding of what real ministry looks like. And we've been talking about that. And here specifically he talks about real restoration. That we as a church, that we as the body of Christ we are called to be a part of the restoration ministry. One of the ministries that ought to be listed on the, what we do as a church, we talked about that we ought to list you know, the different ministries of our church, that availing prayer ought to be one of those ministries listed. But I tell you what, search and rescue ought to be one of those ministries listed as well. And I'm not talking about, and I'm thankful for search and rescue, people that are trained in search and rescue, that when somebody wanders off, when somebody gets lost, uh, whether it be in a, in a forest somewhere or wherever it might be, that they're trained in how to find them. But we ought to be uh, part of spiritual search and rescue. That's one of the ministries that he's called us to. And we see that here in James chapter 5, beginning in verse 19, where he says, Brethren, if anyone among you wanders from the truth 
and someone turns him back. Let him know that he who turns a sinner from the error of his way will save a soul. Save a soul from death and cover a multitude of sins. Two verses, but about two hours worth of preaching. <laughs> uh, if we co- tried to cover everything, probably more than that if we tried to cover everything. But I just want to share with you this morning what God's put on my heart to, to share. Now, as we, we look at this, I, I want to clarify first as we go into because there are, are several people that have wrote commentaries and different books on the book of James that want to make these two verses about uh, lost people, saying that the people that are wandering are lost people that need to be saved. But, and they try to say that, but I think it's very clear as he starts off, he says, brethren. And so he's talking to the brethren, and he's not just talking to the brethren that they're supposed to be rescuing those that are lost, but he says, brethren, if anyone among you among you. And some say, well, you can't have lost people among you. And that, that's true, but in the context of everything that he's talking about, especially when he goes back, you go, we go back earlier to the verses we looked at in chapter 5, where it talks about confessing your trespasses to one another. And if, uh, uh, if anyone among you is suffering, let him pray and cheerful, let him sing and sit, call for the elder. And this ministry that's supposed to happen among the body of Christ there, I think it's, and, and that's the context that we find ourselves, I think it's pretty clear that he's talking to true Christians. He's talking to people that are born again. He's talking to people that are part of the family of of God. And he says to turn them back. He's not talking about turning them towards something for the first time. They're going back to somewhere where they've been. And so I think the, the application, and what I'm saying is, listen to me. That means that it is possible for a true Christian to wander. It is. It is. Let's, let's don't pretend like we never have struggles. We never have problems. It is possible for us to wander. Matter of fact, Proverbs uh, chapter 14 and verse 14 talks about the backslider in heart. It is possible for us to wander. Let me tell you, if, if you think that anyone that ever sins is lost, you're wrong. Saved people can sin too. And if the enemy has told you that if you ever sin, that means that you are lost, he's a liar. Because we can know Jesus and truly be born again and still have struggles and sin, still get caught up in our flesh, still wander from the Lord. Matter of fact, in 1 Corinthians chapter 10 and verse 2, Paul said, if you think that you stand, if you think that you can't wander, if you think that you can't fall, you need to take heed because you will fall. We all, it is possible to wander. But I've got even better news from this passage as well. Not only is it possible to wander, but if you do wander, it is possible to be restored. It is possible to come back. He says in verse 19, he says, and someone turns him back you can come back and also i recognize this that when we talk about wandering that you know automatically our mind goes to those that aren't here today that maybe were here at one time or those in our family that used to be in church that aren't in church anymore and stuff like that that's very true that there are people like that and that's 
a symptom of them, them wandering from the Lord. But you can sit in a pew every Sunday and be far from Jesus. Because it's possible for us to wander and to act like we're not. We're talking about a spiritual wandering. But it's possible to be restored. It is possible to be restored. Now understand this, and we'll talk more about this, that in this, these two verses that we're looking at, they are found in the context. We're just coming out of talking about prayer, prayer, prayer. Seven times in the verses leading up to this, he mentions the word pray or prayer there. So we're in that context of, uh, of prayer. And that is the key to restoration ministry. That is the key to seeing folks restored. It is availing prayer. It is the prayer of faith. That's when we're getting down to praying like we ought to pray. When we're praying that those that are wandering, those that we know are wandering from the Lord, we're praying for their restoration. That's what, how we ought to pray. One of the ways we ought to pray. Well, let's get into this and let's, let's look at what he uh, talks about here. Really, there's, there's two main categories that I want to talk about or two uh, main groups of people that I want to talk about. One is the wandering brother. And he's, in these two verses, he gives us several characteristics of the wandering brother. I'm, I'm reminded of the, the song, and it's so true uh, of us, uh, Come Thou Fount, and that verse that's in there where he says, Prone to wander, Lord, I feel it. Prone to leave the God I love. We are prone to wander. It's, it's, it's part of being a sheep. It's part of, of this, this body, this flesh that we live in. It's part of, of, of needing to die daily and to, to take up our cross daily. It's because we are prone to wander. And this is what, is what the, the wandering brother, the wander, and it can be a wandering sister too. I'm not talking about gender here. I'm talking about the believer that wanders. This is how it's described in these two verses. First of all, he has a straying soul. A straying soul. He says in verse 19, Brethren, if anyone among you wanders from the truth. That word wander means to be strained. It is, it's really, it's the idea of physically strained. Of physically, it has the idea of movement in this word. And so it's the idea of moving away from, moving uh, away from uh, the Lord in this case and our, our walk with the, the Lord and our obedience to the Lord. We're moving away and there is a physical moving but the root of it's spiritual. It is a, a spiritual strain that leads to a physical moving away. And by that, this is what I want you to understand. It's not just mental. It's not, when he's talking about wandering from the truth, he's not just talking about that we just, we get some doctrine wrong. He's talking about more than that. You see, when he's talking about wandering from the truth, the word truth is not just doctrine, but it is, it is life. It is, to, uh, it is not just a, a doctrine that we mentally assent to, but it's a life that we live out. You don't understand truth. You haven't really received truth. You're not following truth until you're living that truth. It's not, that's, that's, that's the problem that we have today in many churches is that we, we understand it mentally and we agree with it mentally. We're just not living it out. And that's not the way the Word of God is meant to be understood and experienced. It is meant to be lived out. We're to live out this relationship with Christ. 
I mean, that's prayer. There, if I was to take a survey here, it might be 100% of people that believe that prayer works and believe that we should be praying. But the question is, are you? Are you living it out? You had not received the truth until you're living it out. You may understand the truth about loving others, but are you loving others? You may understand the truth that the love that he talks about in God's Word, this agape love is a sacrificial love, but are you sacrificing for others? Same with the cross. You may understand that Jesus actually died on the cross. You may understand that was for the sins of the world and for your sins specifically, but have you received this work on the cross? Is it making a difference in how you live today? See, when he's talking about wandering from the truth, he's not just talking about mentally wandering from the, doc- the doctrine, but he's talking about, are you living it out? See, as long as we're here on this earth, there will always be those that want to mislead us. And one of the most effective ways that the devil misleads Christians is say, agree with it mentally, just don't practice it in your life. Say the amens, nod your heads, but don't amen it with how you live. And then also, as long as we're here on this earth, we have a flesh that wants to be misled, that wants to find the easy way out, that wants to fake it, that wants people to think that we're spiritual, but not making the sacrifices to be spiritual or living it out in our lives. You know, one of the things about wandering, you know, we hear about it all the time. Uh, I say all the time, but several times a year, you know, Bankhead Forest is not too far from here. And you hear about people getting lost in Bankhead Forest. You hear about people getting lost other places as well. But every year, I mean, several times during the year, you're going to hear about, has somebody been lost at Bankhead? <laughs> this is how you get lost at Bankhead. You go off trail. You go off trail. Because when you go off trail, you can easily get lost. Or you may think you're on the trail, but you're going off trail uh, and, and everything. That's, that's how people get lost. If you stay on the trails, eventually you'll come out. In a, in a, to, you may not come out where you thought you were going to come out, but you're going to eventually come out somewhere. But we get off trail. That's what's wrong with us spiritually. We get off trail. We get off trail. And not just in our understanding, but in how we, we live. It's a straying soul. Not only a straying soul, but a sinning heart. We're going deeper here. The reason the soul is straying is because the heart is sinning. What does he say there in verse 20? He says, let him know that he who turns a sinner from the error of his way. Turns a sinner. Is he saying I'm a sinner? Yeah. Exactly what he's saying. We have a sinning heart. We we wander into sin. We wander into situations where we choose sin and self and flesh over Jesus. It's a sinning heart. The word sin means to miss the mark. But I've said this, you know, oftentimes when we've talked about sin, the problem is not that it's not that we're trying to do what's right and we just can't quite get there and everything, that we're just we're barely missing the mark. It's, a, it's not that we're missing the mark, we're aiming at the wrong targets. We're not just barely falling short of what God expects to us. We're doing what we want, what we expect. That's the problem. 
Because if you aim at the right target, the Holy Spirit will help you hit the target. But the reason the Holy Spirit's not helping us hit the target is we're aiming at the wrong targets. We're wanting comfort. We're wanting ease. We're seeking what's easy for ourselves. We're seeking what impresses others. And the Holy Spirit's not going to help us do that. And so we're, we're seeking out sin. We're, we're shooting at the wrong target. And as we shoot at the wrong target, what we don't see is that, okay, I'm going to hit this target. I'll go back to this target later. That's not how it works. Sin entangles us. It's like getting caught up in a spider web. I, I, I'm not a fly, so I've never been caught in a spider web like that. But I have walked into some and ah, you can't get it off of, you know, for, for about five minutes you're going. You know, <laughs> uh, and doing that. And even, you know, and, and more so, y'all have seen the movies where those, you know, Tarzan movies where they go in the cave and there's this big web and stuff like that and, and, uh, and, and other things, as, uh, uh, movies as well, and there's this huge spider and stuff. That's sin. Sin entangles us. And danger is coming and death is coming. See, the problem with sin is not that it might be exposed. It's not that we might be embarrassed. That's oftentimes why we don't choose to do some sinful things as we're afraid that it might get exposed. The problem with sin is what it does to your relationship with Christ. That it grieves his heart. That it cuts me off from life. Now, I'm not talking about losing your salvation. But I'm talking about joy, peace, power, and the impact we can have on others' lives. Because we have a sinning heart. The wandering brother has a straying soul, a sinning heart. He has an erring way. He says there in verse 20, Let him know that he who turns a sinner from the error of his way. The word error here is actually the noun for wandering back in verse 19. It's the same word that is, is used here. And so what he's talking about, he's talking about how we, we act out this, 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 this wandering, how we get on the wrong trail, how we do the wrong thing the wrong way with the, for the wrong reasons. That's what the wandering soul does. I mean, we've looked through James, and James has talked about how we ought to live. Are we living that way? He's talked about the, the sin of pride, the sin of partiality, the sins of the tongue, the, the sins of pursuing money, and all these things. Are we, are we embracing these things? Are we wandering into these things? And then he's talked about how we ought to live, how we ought to submit ourselves to God, how we ought to be resisting the devil, how we ought to draw near to God, and he will draw near to us, how we ought to be separating ourselves from sin and humbling ourselves ourselves in the sight of the Lord are we living that path are we staying on the trail are we doing what God's called us to do with his strength and his power because we love him if not we're erring we're going the wrong way and we can do that oftentimes it's hard to see because the enemy is so slick the devil's crafty he's wise the world are experts at how to sin and try to feel good about it. The flesh feels good for a moment because there's delayed accountability in it. That's the erring way. And then it's a deadly game. In verse 20, he says, From the error of his way will save a soul from death. 
and cover a multitude of sins. Romans 6.23 says the wages of sin is death. And by the way, all sin, not just your neighbor's sin, all sin is deadly. All sin is deadly. Matter of fact, John in 1 John 5.16 says there is a sin unto death. And he talks about that. I ain't got time to go into all that. But what I understand from Scripture and even from the examples of Scripture, yes, the Bible says this is appointed appointed unto man once to die. We have an appointment that every one of us will keep. But if I understand the Word of God right, there are things that we can do that can move that appointment up. Sin is deadly. Don't wonder. Don't turn from God. Don't err. Don't play with sin. Don't embrace sin. You're playing with a rattlesnake. You're playing with a loaded gun. The snake's going to bite you. The gun's going to go off. Sin is deadly. But then not only does he talk about the wandering brother, but he also talks about the restoring brother. And let me just say this. If you are wandering, and maybe nobody knows it but you and Jesus, because everything looks the same on the outside, but in your heart you've wandered from the Lord, The key to coming back is not fear. And it's not being afraid, it's not being afraid that you'll be exposed or shame. It's not being the fear of being punished. Because if that was the case, we would have never done it. The reason for coming back to Jesus is what we were just singing about earlier. He is a good, good father. And he loves you. You will never find anything greater than the love of Jesus. Come back to him. And so the key to being a part of restoring others, of being a restoring brother or a restoring sister, is to bring people back to the love of God. It's not by shaming them. It's not by condemning them. It's not by judging them and and, and trying to bring fear into their lives. But it's by pointing them to the cross. That Jesus who died on the cross and rose from the dead will restore you. So what is the ministry of the restoring brother? It is a turning ministry. Verse 19 says, if anyone among you wanders from the truth and someone turns him back. I pray for the someones. I pray that this church would increase in someones who turn others back. That we would be those someone. We would step up and say, I'll be someone. I will will reach out to my brother. I'll reach out to my sister. I'll pray for them. I'll pray with them. That's a turning ministry. The idea of turning is two words put together. It is is upon and change. And it's the idea that, yes, change takes place, but it's not a change that is worked up from the inside. It's a change that comes from the outside, that 
comes down upon us, that as others are praying for us, change begins to happen in our lives. As Jesus begins to work in conviction and in love and in grace and in forgiveness in our lives, that's what we need. We can't work up a change within us. Do you understand that? You can't will change. You receive change. And that's what he's talking about, this turning ministry. And that's why prayer is so critical. That's what availing prayer does. As we are praying, the Holy Spirit is, is loose to work and to begin to bring change down upon those who need to change. It's a turning ministry. Ministry is where we turn from the erring, we turn from the flesh, we turn from the world, we turn from sin, we turn from our, our wandering, and we turn to Jesus. We turn to Him. We turn back to our relationship of grace with Him. We turn back to a life of dependence upon Him. And how do you get involved with this turning ministry? You pray, you pray, you pray, you you love them. You care for them. You're there for them. And then let the Holy Spirit be turned loose into their lives. And so we need to not only pray for those who are wandering, we need to get together with them and pray with them. Pray with them. A turning ministry. A reviving ministry. He talks about will save a soul from death. So the idea of saving we automatically think of, and that's why some folks want to say that this is lost because it says the word save. Well, the word save is not always used in, in, uh, when talking about a person who is lost in sin that does not know Jesus coming to Jesus. Oftentimes it is, but it's not always that way. The word save means to, to rescue, to rescue them from peril. And if you're a lost person, yes, you are in peril. But let me tell you, if you are a saved person wandering from God, you are in peril as well. Not in peril of losing your salvation, but in peril of, of doing damage in your life, in peril of doing damage in the lives of others, and, and in peril of, of sin just overwhelming you and, 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 and bringing destruction into your life. You are in peril and you need rescuing. You need to call out to Jesus. And we need to be a part of that ministry, rescuing those from peril and also giving them life. That's what the idea of saving uh, is, is that we give them life. Not just saving them from hell, but saving them from sin and destruction. That's the idea of, of, of giving them life. We need to be a part of a search and rescue team. We need to engage and participate in rescuing those that are wandering saving their, their, their soul, saving their relationship with Christ. And we do that through prayer, praying for them and with them. And then it's a covering ministry. He says, and cover a multitude of sins. The idea of cover is the idea, the word cover does mean to hide, to conceal. And although we can't hide or conceal sins, the blood of Jesus can. And so whenever we point someone to Jesus, we bring someone to Jesus. We encourage and push and, and draw them to Jesus. That's where they'll find grace and forgiveness to cover their sins. But I'll tell you what we can do. We can cover them spiritually in protection. This past weekend, our staff, we were on a prayer retreat, and we were praying for one another. And one of the things that God put on our hearts as we were praying, you know, we all have the shield of faith to quench the fiery darts of the wicked one. But I tell you what, there are sometimes when my shield is just not enough, and I need someone else to put their shield over me. 
How do you do that? You pray. You pray for them. You pray with them. And they may not, because they're wondering, they may not appreciate it at first. Just say, listen, I just want to come and I just want to lift my shield up over you. Can I pray for you? I know the enemy's doing a work in your life. Can I pray for you? Covering ministry. A reviving ministry. Returning ministry. Tell you what I'm so thankful about our good father. He is a restoring God. Even to the point. He will leave 99 faithful sheep behind to go after the one. And if you're that one, the reason you're here today is because he's after you. He is drawing you to himself. Would you let him do like the shepherd does, the wandering lamb, and just pick you up today and just bring you back to safety, bring you back to security? And would you not only do that, but as I preach this message, many of you have had so many brothers and sisters on your heart and on your life, I mean, on your heart and, and you've seen them in your life that, that need to be brought back. Today would be a great day to start to say, I want to sign up for the search and rescue team. And I'm going to start today by praying for them.